I'll do it. Welcome to Donna and Jacqueline Take Adulting, a podcast where we talk like teenagers, but we're actually in our 30s and somehow functional. Is it teenagers? Do we talk like, or do we just, are we just, is that just how everybody talks secretly? I, I, I think, yeah, especially people our age, we yeah. all have this extended adolescence of language. Yep. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I was watching actually this like analysis on a YouTube video called a YouTube channel called The Take. And they were talking about how um, millennials basically waited to become adults. And like, apparently, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently adulting is now considered an asshole word. <laughs> like, as yeah, in, I knew that. What? I totally did not know this. What? So yeah, they were talking That's about kind how... of why it was like maybe I'll noodle on the name a bit more, but then we're gonna release the podcast. I was like, okay. <laughs> I for, for fuck's sake, I did not know until I watched this video this past week. I was like, what? Adulting is considered a, a stupid word now? It, what? What? I had no fucking clue that this is where we're sitting with the word adulting and we're making fun of millennials for using it. Yeah, I thought we were reclaiming it. That, you know, like the crappiest way one can reclaim a dumb term that was popular for like four minutes in the mid 2000s. Yeah, uh, we're uh, reclaiming it by way of a podcast. I, don't, I am shocked. I'm, I'm honestly shocked by this. I don't know why. Um, I don't feel bad though <laughs> about it. I don't feel stupid for using it because I do think, and this is what they talked about in the video about how like it, it challenged the way that millennials had a prolonged like adolescence or prolonged becoming an adult sort of challenged the status quo and how we do things as a society, like the, the relationship escalator where you go straight into get married by 25 at the latest and then you got to start popping out kids and millennials were like I I can't my parents might have had me when they were 23 but I uh, what the where the hell was I at 23 I was not ready to have children and so yeah I don't know I I don't feel bad about using quote-unquote adulting because I, I feel like it challenged a status quo that needed to be challenged I feel like I feel like baby boomers kind of got to play the tutorial level game of life where you graduate high school, you can buy a house with the wages from your factory job. There's Mm -hmm. a strong social safety net. The wealthy pay taxes. Like, they play tutorial mode. And then here we are, and we're kind of at the boss. We're not even at the boss mode because God only helped the Zoomers. But, like, things just got explicitly harder and harder. And, you know, I live... 
I live in a decent condo that mm-hmm. I paid six times more than my parents paid for a freestanding house. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we uh we have a beautiful townhouse that like the only reason I can afford this is because my husband is the, I I guess I fit into that weird traditional thing about the women not making money. <laughs> it's like I fucking I only live where I live because my husband is so successful in his career. But even then, we are still you know, we're paying out the nose for our mortgage and we we're lucky that we even could afford a fucking home that we own. Same with you guys, right? Like it's, we are a small fucking percentage of the people in our generation. Yes. and Yeah, actually, yes. And I always forget about how, how bubbly my bubbles are. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the vast majority of my friends are in the same kind of like elder millennial, low, um, younger gen Gen X kind mm-hmm. of demographic. Very few have kids. Yeah. Uh, and those of us, you might be one of my only friends who's like married and not just in a long term partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then I go to work, and I'm I'm at the upper end of the scale of like the junior intermediate whatever we are at work mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're all like turning 30 they're all married having their first kids like it's been a Ooh. baby the last two years Whoa. so there definitely are people out there young millennials and gen Zers who are having kids and buying houses and just living a totally different life and i'm <laughs> yeah this is actually just making me think about how few socioeconomic um barriers I cross anymore in my life yeah and you don't like when you're not in school and and I think school is probably one of the better examples like you are meeting people from everywhere and you're meeting people from all income levels and and backgrounds really yeah Um, and especially because we went to a large inner city school so there was like very very wealthy people like the people who lived on the edge of the bluff and then the with people who weren't definitely were not as wealthy yep. going to the same school. Yeah. Um, because now, yeah, I'm just like, I have one friend who is in the trades. And that's actually kind of shocking now that I'm thinking about it. Huh. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. I don't, I think because of what I do part time, I do know younger people who are also like, they're, they're from a range of, different socioeconomic backgrounds um and I think that's the only reason I sometimes do traverse some bubbles is because of my part-time gig but yeah yeah I don't I think I can think of one person who's in trades but oh yeah damn that's a really good point Donna thank you you're welcome (laughs) Like, so this week, this last week was hot as balls. Um, <laughs> it was 40 degrees in Calgary, I think, on the day before Canada Day. Did it get to 40? It got like, to it got 40 fucking in, close. I think it I came think... to 40 in one of our rooms. So Daryl has these oh. little, like, thermometers that he's been moving around the house. And then he's <laughs> been making, he's making a wind tunnel. Like, he's got a whole system. I woke up this morning at about 7.30 and I was like, 
how long has he been out of the bed? And he had just gotten mm-hmm. up to like go rearrange the fans. It's now dropped like 19 today. So we're yeah. flushing the house. Yeah. Um, but the reason I mentioned this is because it's been hot as balls this last mm-hmm. week. I have not had a single critical thought during that entire time. It's I've been impossible. Like, yeah. The, the greatest thing I learned this entire time, the entire time of this hot week is that Safeway sells shredded, like the, the rotisserie chickens in the deli case, they have them pre-shredded for you so oh, that amazing. it's hot as balls out and you just want to be like, feed yourself like you're a cat and occasionally just go eat shredded chicken out of the fridge because it's the <laughs> only the easy way to get protein into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that and Safeway pre-does it for you. And it is, That's- you know, Cost but the same is just buying rotisserie chicken. That's amazing. Um, and so, that's the thing though, when it's that hot, right? Your appetite leaves you. Like all we did for the last week was basically graze because you can't put in a lot of food in yourself, otherwise you fucking throw up because it's just so hot and your body's like, there's too much going on. I cannot handle this. <laughs> so it's yeah, you're not eating a lot, you're basically grazing. So shredded chicken sounds like a pretty decent <laughs> solution. <laughs> so that was that was the level of, of thought I had this entire week. And then this <sighs> morning in the shower, I was like, oh man, I've got to like think about interesting stuff to talk about for two hours. Nah. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. It'll just flow. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Because I usually find like Saturday, Sunday morning is my think about podcast showers. Yep. Fair. Fair. It's you gotta, you gotta, I get it. I get it. Sometimes I also am in the shower and I'm thinking about what I want to talk on the podcast. And then by the time we get to the podcast, it's gone. Like I don't fucking remember. (laughs) This is like, uh, like I write sometimes. And by I write, I mean, I haven't put pen to paper in over a year but I I do it in my head when I'm trying to go to sleep and yeah. so every once in a while I'll have this like really great idea and I'm lying there and I'm just like is it that great that you have to get up <laughs> like is it great do you just think it's great it's probably not great just go to sleep that's a really real dilemma though do you do you have a notes app on your phone Donna that like because if I think of shit I will put it in my notes app I have an actual notebook and pen next to the bed, except that's impressive. Um, I don't know. I keep accumulating stuff on my bedside table, so I have no idea what the pen is. It's probably <laughs> under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> as it as it goes. No, I find my notes app has like because <laughs> I will think about like shit that I want to say on my professional Instagram about like mindfulness or whatever, or about trauma. Or I'll be unpacking trauma in my brain and I'll like have to pull out the notes app to leave myself crazy fucking sentences. Like there was one thing, one time it was like, yeah, we're going to get dark because this is what happens when I talk about this kind of shit. There was a line that was like, I wish that I was no one's daughter because that means that I'm some, I'm obligated to someone. So I leave myself these crazy asshole notes at the time. <laughs> when I'm like unpacking shit so that notes app 
if somebody ever breaks into my phone, they're going to be like, what the shit is wrong with this woman? I'm pretty sure I use my notes app for grocery lists. So Daryl and I have a shared grocery list that we just, it's kind of portioned into things like next time you go to Costco, can you grab this? Or, you know, they, these are the groceries for the week. And then I have a series, like a couple of lists of books I want to read. And today's the day I'm going to tell everybody how awful I am. Oh. Uh, every year I participate in a celebrity death pool. And <laughs> this is done via draft. You have a list of 120 celebrities. And they're usually selected by typing their name into Google. And if one of the first results that comes up is this person dead, they get from the list. And uh, so then depends on the number of participants like I think this year I have about 10 celebrities on my list I've had more I've had less it just depends on who shows up for the draft <laughs> um I I usually try to make mine you know I'm trying to do God's work this is my fourth year in a row with Henry Kissinger as my number one seed <laughs> and I know I definitely killed Phil Spector this year I can't remember someone else just went someone terrible just one second <laughs> so I keep them in my notes app and then I check them off as they go. I mean, fair. John McAfee. <laughs> that was my other celebrity. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I have been following your exploits with the celebrity death pool for years. Like how long have you been doing this? It's been a long time. This official. So this death pool, because uh, the other death pool I was in was a company I don't work for anymore. This is the David Bowie Memorial Death Pool. So I think 2017 started. <laughs> I love that that's the name, Jesus. <laughs> I I appreciate this. I can't, yeah, I, I've never participated, but that's because I just don't ever think of celebrities, if that makes sense. It sounds like such a dickish comment. It's just, Half the time, like, I don't know who John McAvoy is, even though you just said the name. So, like, I would be... That's because he's John McAfee, and he's the guy who invented (laughs) McAfee antivirus and was insane. (laughs) Yes, I think I knew this. See, but, like, my brain, like, filters out names. Like, I don't remember who people are, so I'd be useless in this pool. Most of my people are celebrities, and or not celebrities, they're, like, politicians. Like, uh, last year, the year before, I got Mugabe, and that felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. Like, my mine's more of a wish list. Mine is like, you know, just I'm not sad if this is the karma I'm putting out into the universe kind of like yeah. Okay. I mean, and that's a good if you're going to do a death pool, I feel like that is that's that's a good way to do it. These are these are the assholes also- that if they died. I'm also a millennial, and I think that part of our general generational sentiment is we all have a nihilistic thirst for death. Like, oh, <laughs> yes. Whenever you yes. talk to people, you're like, you know, when you are 80 years old, and I'm just like, I don't wear sunscreen because I'm thinking about melanoma. I just don't want to be uncomfortable now. I expect by the time that I am 65, the world will be a burning carcass and I will have been turned into a nutritional slurry for the rich. Oh, oh, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have to process this nutritional slurry for the rich. God damn. I mean, yeah, okay. Like, I don't not agree with you, but I also don't think that I think about it. <laughs> but, I think but I, I see think, it. I think I've got, I've got COVID brain still. Because mm-hmm. definitely every time during COVID, someone was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Or, oh, my wife is pregnant. I was just like, the world is ending. <laughs> well, yeah, right? I didn't actually say that. I'm not that off. <laughs> but, but I get it. I'm, I mean, like, I, we're both very decidedly child-free and I think have been for, like, our entire adult lives. I had, like, a brief moment in time where I was like, maybe I want kids, but I was wrong. <laughs> uh, so, like, we are the t- the part of the population that just wouldn't have ever had kids anyway. So I think that, like, anytime someone is having a kid, our brains go, why would you do that, though? Because that's what my, like, regardless of, like, whether or not the world is ending, my brain is always like, well, why would you want that? Yeah. So compounded with the COVID stuff. Yeah. Fuck. Right? though like why would you do that I fucking understand and no shade towards my friends who do have children you already know this about me that I just don't get it and we're cool but <laughs> and I don't hate your children I just why am I still talking about this it's kind <laughs> of like, dig your hole Jacqueline I had a very brief period where I was like I could get a dog and I'm like I cannot get a dog so I've learned my limits and I'm really happy that a dog hasn't had to suffer under my care, let alone any children. See, and like, I get that. Oh, fuck. Do I ever understand that? Like, I, sh- the only reason I have a dog is because my husband wanted a dog and he does the majority of the things for the dog. If I had to be like the primary caregiver of this dog, I would, I'd do it, but I'd be a fucking mess all the time about it. Like, I'm so lucky that I'm not the one who has to take her out to pee all the fucking time. Um, uh, Yeah, I, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have a dog. I love my dog. I love her deeply, but I, I don't want to have to take care of a dog if it's just me. The cats and I are cool. We get each other. That's fair. Yep. So yeah, no, I get it. Um, a little bit of a departure, though. I just got my second jab this morning. Woo! Fully vaccinated. Give me two weeks and I'll be where I need to be with immunity. Woo! Um, I have to say that my arm does not hurt yet the way that it hurt the first time. Like, Paul and I were talking about how, like, initially the needle going in the first shot was like, Jesus fucking Christ, what the fuck? But I didn't even feel it this time. Did you get Pfizer or Moderna? Pfizer. Oh, okay. I got Pfizer too. And I didn't react either time, which I'm not yeah. mad about because both my shots were on the weekend. And it's like, if I'm totally. going to be gross and sick from a vaccine, I at least want a mental health day. <laughs> yeah, totally. We actually, we took tomorrow off anyway, because we wanted a long weekend before we had even booked our vaccine. And now we have it off in case shit goes wild for us um though okay so here's here's my ridiculous thing so we get there and the nurse asks us 
how we reacted to our our first dose and Paul Paul was like it took him out pretty hard I hardly had anything except this one thing I had a small amount of one thing and my response to her was like I had a little bit of stomach stuff and as I'm speaking I'm like can I I don't know oh god we just met it's a nurse though. You can tell her you had diarrhea, you idiot. That's what she wants to know. But I fucking panicked. <laughs> like this is the social decorum here felt so weird to me. And like, I'm happy to tell the podcast audience all the time that I have fire poops. Like I have no real shame about it. <laughs> but when I'm looking this woman that I just met two minutes, like two seconds ago in the eye and she's super sweet. I can't, it feels weird. And I also sometimes have this reaction because I, I get um, acupuncture and I see two different TCMs often. And both of them will ask me how your di- like how your stools are because they need to know in part of the treatment. And I always feel so weird being like, I'm having diarrhea to the TPM. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. It's like, and these people are also my friends. And I'm just like, man, is it we is it weird? It just feels weird sometimes. There's just like levels of like, is it okay for me to talk about my diarrhea in this situation? <laughs> but I have no connection with the podcast. One. No, I'm an acupuncturist one who was like can you tell me the average volume of, of your period? And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, it's like 2.5 ounces or something. And she's like, how'd you know that? And I'm like, it's like a cup. And uh, they just, they put markings on it for you. Yeah. Or at least mine came with markings on it. So I could also make cocktails using my menstrual cup. Oh, sweet I'm not Jesus. Going to, but I'm pretty, now that I've said that, I'm like, man, I'm sure there's somebody doing that on OnlyFans. <laughs> Oh my God, maybe. Jesus Christ. Donna, you've just taken me down a very dark part of internet possibilities. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's a, I guess people just, it's the preciseness <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> like, I think she was expecting you to be like, your flow is heavy or light or medium. But you had the fucking number at the ready, which is amazing. <laughs> but it is like unexpected. Uh, the other thing I've learned as I've gotten older, or at least again, maybe just generational, mm-hmm. I often find that three minutes into a conversation with a lot, well, just women, especially, maybe with men, we're a little more reticent, but like I can meet random ass wives of friends and within five minutes we're talking about something disgusting our body does yeah yeah I get that it's that's fair and I mean because all of our bodies do disgusting things so it's weird not being willing to like talk about it like what is this social decorum where I'm hesitant to tell a nurse that I had diarrhea, even though that's exactly the information she's looking for. <laughs> like, it's so wild because, like, all of our bodies do weird and disgusting things. And yet we're like, oh, God, we got to talk about how weird and disgusting our bodies are. 
It's weird. Uh, and, and again, generational. I have a friend. I'm not going to specifically call her out by name on this podcast because she knows who she is. She can tell us if we can use her name next time. But she's uh-huh. a chronic burper farter to the point uh-huh. where, like, she'll burp and blow it at my husband. Or used to back in the old days when that wasn't a biohazard threat. Right. To you know, flirt flirt with my man. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. <laughs> But our bodies all do it. So like. <laughs> yeah. And like, you just have to be considerate. Don't be the person farting in an elevator. Yeah. I mean, close quarters, like, you know, see, okay. So this <laughs> with going back out into the wild and having to be places that aren't my house. I, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'm talking about this. <laughs> I. Uh, I can't poop in public. <laughs> like, even I don't if think I... a lot of people can. Re- Paul says that, I don't know what he said right now, but he, he tends to say that I'm wrong about this. Is he some <laughs> sort of wild <laughs> public pooper? No, but he, <laughs> he will poop. In a washroom that isn't his own, if he has to go, right? But I can't, I can't, I can't, even if I'm like on the edge of like going to explode, I have to like bargain with myself through the day at work. And I'm just like, okay, but, and I'll try to just like orient my stomach and hold my body different to like make the gas move through and not want to come out the end. Like, because I just can't do it. I feel so weird, even when it's absolutely like I have to poop and I have to poop now. I can't do it if it's a public restroom or like the restroom at work. What if it's like one of those restrooms that are fully contained? Like, so, you know, I'm the gender neutral in- bathrooms? Yes. I'm still not in my house, Donna. It's about not pooping anywhere but my house <laughs> like if I'm staying oh, at a hotel see, <laughs> I just I don't like other people knowing what comes like I mean I'm having to talk about it but I actually don't want anyone else to have to experience how gross my body is yes um yeah I just I like I can't and the more I think about it, the more absolutely illogical it is. Like, I realize how fucking crazy it is. But I just, if I exit that place and we lock eyes and you know what I did, <laughs> because you can smell it, I feel so guilty. And it just, I have to take a long time when I'm pooping because I have to be sure that I'm done. And so. <laughs> I need to sit there for like 20 you lived with me you know this is true it's like a 20 minute ordeal for me to feel like I have actually emptied my bowels properly I do remember having to kind of tailor some of my my time around when I knew you were coming home from work I can basically count on one hand the amount of times where it was dire enough that I had to break my no poop anywhere but home rule. 
So like, okay, I'm but not... you, you said hotels, you mentioned hotels. Yes. Okay. Hotels, hotels are an exception because that is now the space that I am staying in. Like as long as it's my hotel room, that becomes my bathroom for the next little while. My poop room. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an exception. That's fine. That's fine. But <laughs> if, if I'm, if it's a communal, like if, if there's other people that aren't staying in my hotel room that are also coming to this bathroom, then I'm freaked out. I'm like, why are there people in your hotel room? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just in case they are. But when does that happen? Never. So it's fine. I can poop in the hotel room <laughs> because it's my private room. Um, I also but, like uh, that how much. My- how we've evolved because this is just reminding me of we we both started dating our partners I think within about six months of each other yep and I remember the first time I was with Jacqueline I slept over at Daryl's and I took my makeup off before bed and you were like I'm so proud of you <laughs> and then I remember you being like I pooped at Paul's <laughs> <laughs> But like for real, that's the big deal. <laughs> I mean, now I don't. I live with him. It's fine. I <laughs> have been talking to you, and you've wandered away and just peed with the door open while still yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, that sounds about right. But <laughs> so it's like, there's a level, right? There's like there's. There's levels. There's levels of comfort. <laughs> you are someone that I don't feel bad about being in the vicinity of. <laughs> That's how I know we're best friends. That's right. <laughs> we'll put it into our best friend song. <laughs> God, what is that lyric like? <laughs> best friends feel comfortable pooping in the vicinity of each other <laughs> this is um so i have been watching a lot of terrible movies with friends and mm-hmm. one of the ones that we did watch which guess which movie didn't age well dude where's my car oh and surprise there is a scene in that movie where two beautiful women play a game called Battleship, where they just go to the bathroom together and fart. I don't. Rem- I don't remember. I know that I watched that movie. I don't remember this, but like, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not. Again, I'm still going to be doing Friday night movies, but uh, I don't think I ever have to watch Dude Where's My Car again. No, no. And like, that's okay. Like, there's some movies that you should maybe just like let be a relic of time. And that's what. Bubble of them. Boy aged surprisingly well. Really? That shocks me. Uh, I, we kind of, it was part of a sequence of when we watched a lot of crappy late 90s, early 2000s movies. And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. Bubble Boy was way better than any of us expected it to be. What the fuck? That's wild. I'm I'm shocked. Because yeah. I wouldn't it, I don't remember much about it either, but I wouldn't expect it to have aged well. It's fine. It's like Jake Gyllenhaal 
is in a bubble uh, because he has <laughs> no immune system. And Marley Sheldon, who I forgot existed until we watched Bubble Boy, is the girl next door and he's in love with her. And then he has to go on a cross-country journey to stop her from marrying a person. And Danny Trejo is like a motorcycle gang member who helps him get there. And they're being chased by a cult led by Fabio. Uh, Holy shit, there's a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Do you ever have these moments where you're trying to explain the plot of something and you just keep going? You're like, I spent valuable time of my life watching this. (laughs) No kidding. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, you know, we all make choices. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that with the heat this week, we've had fans and the air conditioner set up everywhere. So the entire house probably being like 55 decibels. Yeah. And uh, uh, you can't hear anything. No, I hate that thing. I hate that so much. We'd be talking to each other and it's like, can you repeat that? Can you repeat? Nope. Just write it down. Write it down for me. <laughs> text me. Just text me. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking brutal. Uh, it's, I, I hate the amount of noise that comes with trying to keep the house reasonably cool. <clears throat> um, so we did, we did get our Bezos AC <laughs> and it's my animals are so fucking stupid. I'm like, here's this room. It's so much cooler than the rest of the house. This is where you want to be. And they're all like, why do you want us to be in the bathroom? I can't, what are you? No, let's not do this. And they kept leaving. I had to pen them in there because we live in a house without doors and so (laughs) there's like the bathroom is one half of the upstairs level and then there's like a little hallway where the staircase comes in and then there's our master suite and there's just no there's no actual doors and so those fucking idiots were just like we're just gonna go now so I had to use the pet gates to pen them in into the bathroom and then once they're there they're like oh okay I guess I'll take a nap and so the cats had cat beds and little places for them to sit and go to sleep and they finally fucking adjusted Callie laid down by our feet but like why do I why do you not want this and the moment they could get out they're like okay we're gonna go now I fed I brought the cats downstairs to feed them their lunch and then the moment they were finished they both like basically went in opposite directions to the places where they hide from the heat. So Indra went under a kitchen chair and then Athena came into my office to like sequester herself underneath the chase. And I'm like, why do you, you know, you just came from this cool environment and yet you're just like, let me just deal with the heat by hiding in the heat. Idiots. I, I'm sorry. My cats are also idiots. Like, <laughs> I, I understand why they don't want to be around the AC because it is noisy, but even uh, they got, we get the gel packs. Like we were getting the meal delivery kits for a while earlier in the year and they always come with these gel packs. So we've kept them and I just put them under towels in there. Our cats have cat beds. My mother mm-hmm. was very insistent when we got them that we had to keep them cat beds. They don't use <laughs> them. They use uh, those flats that you get for 24 cans of beer or pop. That that's uh-huh. their jam. So <laughs> I just put some ice packs in the boxes and put some towels over top. And it took them a little bit before they're like, oh, this is nice. Anytime I do that, my cats are just like, fuck you. 
I'm not sitting on my blanket now. No, this might be my favorite goddamn blanket, but you've ruined it. I can't be here. And they just leave. They won't come and sit on my ice pack blanket setup. Because they're assholes. Like, why do you hate your life this much, idiots, that you want to bring suffering upon yourself? So it's just ridiculous. It's one of those things where, like, every once in a while, like, I wish my my cats, like, I wish I could tell them, this is why I'm doing this for you, so you'd understand. And I'm like, essentially, you just, wouldn't that just be children? Like, cats are little annoying (laughs) assholes. And if they could use their words, then I don't think we'd like them very much. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Um, Speaking of animals using their fucking words, man, Callie last night. So we have this pen that that's where she has to be in at night because if we let her free range around the house, she'll go find pens and eat them. Like, it's it's such bullshit. Like, because I have a bunch of markers because I do a lot of coloring and art shit. And she'll find if I leave a marker on the couch, it's eaten the next morning so she instead of staying in a crate we have a little pen for her in our bedroom and she knows we've been doing this for over a year like several years now she's had to go into the pen at night and all of a sudden this summer specifically because the light it's we're going to bed early because we're old people so we go to bed around nine these days just to sit in bed um and uh She's mad at us because it's still light out. So she's been giving us grief every night. But now, because it gets light in the morning, she's also just like, I shouldn't be in this pen. I don't deserve this penning. I'm mad about this. So last night she was like, she fucking barked at us and like made Sheba noises. And if you are ever familiar with like what the fuck Sheba vocals are, they're similar to coyotes. They have like the vocal range of a a fucking coyote. And so she's like, so like all night was this bullshit so like i got maybe two hours of sleep because <laughs> she's so mad at us and she wants to like live her best hot girl summer life and have freedom but instead she's in her stupid pen and she just has been protesting i had to finally i got her to shut up at about fucking four maybe it was six it was it was far too late because she had like an hour reprieve where she finally went to sleep but then she woke up around four or five and Paul took her out just in case she had to pee she comes back and she's like I don't want to be penned and so I had to stand in front of her for about 30 minutes with my arms crossed and being like down no no and finally like I I displayed enough dominance or something and set enough of a boundary that she went she begrudgingly went to sleep but I'd I'd uncross my arms and I'd go back and lay down and then she'd be like, oh, it's my time. So she'd stand up. So then I had to like sit up in bed and just like fold my arms and stare at her. And she'd then go down without me even asking. But we had to repeat that for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then finally she gave up. But like, what the fuck, dog? What are you going to do? Go eat a pen? Like, stop it. Just go to bed, you asshole. He'll be so tired today. And yet, she might not be. She's already been like, hey, here's let's play tug. We came home from our vaccine. And she was just like off the wall. 
like excited and just like, okay, we're friends again. I'm not, I'm free. I'm not mad at you. Here's my toy. Let's play tug. So I think she's still full of beans. Oh, I guess I'm used to cats who like. They need to sleep. They're just like, (laughs) why was I fucking awake all night? I need to sleep this off. No, this dog has boundless energy and I don't understand it. Like we'll take her out for like four hour adventure walk through fish creek we come home and for the next 10 minutes before she crashes she has to run around the house and have zoomies i don't get it like constantly full of beans i wish i had that type of energy right like yesterday i unloaded the dishwasher and i was like look at me look (laughs) look at my accomplishments i did a thing i am a master of doing things It's hard when it's hot, especially to like get any sort of house shit done. Like the dishes are piling up. This is just how we live in squalor. We always live in squalor. Let's be real. Paul and I are the laziest individuals, but it's just, it gets worse when it's hot. Nothing gets done. Although I did notice with the heat, for some reason, I had the ability to focus on needle felting. Like, I, I made a little Pokemon Chansey out of felt and like faster than I've ever felt at anything before because I was so focused. It was the only thing that my brain could focus on was poking wool with a fucking needle during the heat. And I just, yeah, for some reason, I had so much motivation to do that one thing. It was weird. Yeah, that makes sense. I played a lot of Civ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I and but then I place it sitting on the couch on my laptop and I was like, it's too hot to have a laptop on my legs. Ugh. Yeah. The the one thing about this city is there's no lake nearby. So and it's also still like COVID restrictions kind of officially lifted on July first. We're still masking in the city at least until tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of anticipate they are probably gonna get rid of the mask bylaw just because i i know i've talked to a lot of people at work where like i'm still wearing a mask to the grocery store like i don't care we're not saying we can't wear a mask no exactly Um, i'm gonna fucking wear a mask yeah and uh i'm i'm really excited like i have been outside i did go to dinner on friday night uh but it still feels weird Mm -hmm. it feels super weird and i'm and all uh, you're the last of my yeah actually you're the last of my friends to get your second jab because uh, my friends in Camore got called in yesterday for theirs nice. so we, we're all two weeks out we're all technically safe but it's still like oh my god can I it feels weird hey you around you <laughs> yeah I mean we've spent a year and a half not doing that thing right so it's we have we have yet to adjust to life after quarantine yeah so yeah mentally it is fucking weird i have a friend okay so i have a friend in victoria um and i think they also the mask mandate is gone now um bc much like alberta as of july 1st was open um and so she was in the elevator with a woman who had a mask on her chin and she was uncomfortable uh, 
and was like, hey, um, could you, I, I'm not, and she was standing too close. So she like politely asked the woman to put on the mask or like stand a little bit further away. The woman flipped her shit and like swore at her. And this was an older woman, like boomer age. Um, and she like flipped her shit, was like, what are you doing wearing a mask? Don't, how do you still believe that this is real? And just like went off on my friend in the elevator of her apartment building. Like how fucked up is that? 2016 onward, I've just given up. Like at this point, I'm kind of like, man, I'd like to talk a moment about my poli professor, Mark Barron, who- Ooh, calling once- him out by name. <laughs> I just remember him talking about totalitarianism and how the mimeograph machine was one of the most important tools to take down the Soviet Union and those totalitarian regimes of the mid 20th century to latter 20th century of the Soviet Union. And we would never have that level of information control again because we have so much diversity of information now. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, <clears throat> excuse me, Dr. Perrin. <laughs> <laughs> We've now gone so far down the path that it's almost like there's a whole bunch of people who are like, yeah, totalitarian regime, because that's where I belong. Right? It's wild. It's wild. Like, I, I'm almost a little bit worried about like choosing to still wear a mask because that could insult people on the street. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing is I'm just like, is it better to not wear a mask once you don't have to because it'll keep the people who are incensed by it away from you? Because yeah. even we were in the elevator a couple of days ago and we everyone was masked, but just the men we were with, like, I thought he was getting in my face. He wasn't. He was beating my hat. But it made me so uncomfortable. I was just like, why? Dude, bubble. And it, yeah. he was like three feet away from me. So. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but still. Well, and like, but that's the thing, right? Is these people who are so mad about the existence of masks and are so pissed about, like, not having a choice. They get mad at you for exercising your choice to wear a fucking mask. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's the, it's the hypocrisy for me, ma'am. I, that's part, it feels like it's just kind of what's, what is part of the culture war going on right now. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I honestly don't know how to, where we're going or how to fix it because I think like <laughs> you're never not going to have disenfranchised angry people mm-hmm. it's just interesting in the way where people people actually this is something I was thinking about in the shower to bring it back to uh, <laughs> my reddit this week has been exploding with a bunch of memes and like information where people are getting upset that they're teaching critical race theory in school and I'm like I oh didn't know God. they were teaching critical race theory still. I thought they were teaching intersectionality and intersectionality was kind of like the next evolution. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you have to teach. But I'm sorry, I have two different thoughts. So I don't want it to sound like I'm saying you don't have to teach. I think you need to teach intersectionality because that's 
a better way of processing and understanding the world. Yeah. And I really, I don't understand why you wouldn't want this. I'm making a supposition that perhaps these people are fearful or perhaps they're angry at their own lot in life. And they're like, if there's more people who have the exact who get the same amount of access as I had, then that's less for me. And we talked about better a bit last week as well. Like when yeah. people didn't like having um, extending summer student opportunities to to Indigenous students who weren't part of who weren't children from the companies I worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that. I don't know. It might be LBJ said this. Uh, like a rich man will take ninety nine. 99 coins from you and then tell you that the a black man's going to steal the last coin something like that yeah. cookies still the same same idea yeah so we're all punching down it feels like we're, we're there's this duel of i don't even think i'm punching up like i can make fun of billionaires all i want but they still get to go to space and i'm here and uh, uh, but it, yeah. it feels like the rest of us are conditioned to punch down. So it's not that we want to make everyone better. It's that we just want to keep everyone else from reaching the status that we think we have. It's yeah. And it's a scarcity thing, right? Is like, if you are equal to me, then I, there's less for me to have, which is fucking insane and not true. But it's also, it is that it's what the 1% want as far as capitalism goes, because that just keeps you in your little cog placement in the machine. I'm saying words very weirdly right now, but I think I, I think I articulated the sentiment properly. Yeah. Like in terms of means of production. So um, when I, and it's not like this wasn't capitalism. I, I worked for an employee-owned company for a really long time. And mm-hmm. it was a very flat structure. Like we did have a senior leadership executive team. And then you had kind of some country managers. And like the manager I reported to had a hundred other direct reports. You were kind of the idea was you're an owner, you want to mm-hmm. see your dividends, your shares, don't fuck it up. Uh, uh-huh. and you as you moved up in the company, you could, you, once you owned enough shares and you met the criteria to be allowed to sign off on reports, then you could become an associate. And then after that, you could become a principal. And it's, it's an ownership structure. And I now work for just a normal, like, TSX listed public company where it's very hierarchical. And um, I don't know, there's probably like eight or nine levels of management between me and the CEO. And yeah, like you're, you're all essentially competing with each other for these management and director positions. And uh-huh. I'm, I feel very fortunate because I am a regulatory person. And the great thing about regulatory is it's pretty boring and awful and nobody wants to do it. So, <laughs> you know, everybody, nobody wants my job. So I'm really happy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. But like, it is a big difference because in, in my previous company, it's just like work, like there's a big element of luck, obviously, because if you're doing big high profile projects for clients that like you and keep you like, that's why I managed to stay employed through a huge oil downturn. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps you move in the company. But I did feel 
a lot more in control of my career in my previous company. And part of it could also be that for the vast majority of my current job, I haven't been in the office and I've been working from home trying to figure out how to like pay an invoice without anyone to speak to. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But yeah, like it's there's just definitely a level of competition that I've, I've not even competition, but almost this like status seeking that I've noticed. And I've also seen it in my client companies because a lot of them are publicly owned and, or not public, publicly owned, like publicly listed. Yeah. And they answer to shareholders that are external to the company. So I don't know. I think. I think a lot of times I just wind up talking about how opportunity is really linked to economic ability and I I also don't see anything wrong, like I do see a lot of things wrong with capitalism but I don't see anything wrong with raising other people up so we can all afford the same mass produced crap that keeps the economy going right yeah absolutely I agree with that um, I have to pee really bad. So I'm gonna run and do that. Is that cool? That's cool. Okay. I'm going to uh I don't know. Wait for you. Okay, I'll be back real fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so is it a lack of critical thinking? Or this is <laughs> what I thought of when I went pee. <laughs> it, so like I'm reminded of that South Park episode where there's a whole bunch of layoffs and the people are yelling, they took our germs. It's misplaced aggression towards those that you like, those who aren't to blame, but we should be actually critically looking at um, the, the corporations, right? It's the same with, um, uh, with like climate change and initiatives to recycle and reduce use, like the individual can't make the difference. It's the corporations that like the recycling initiatives were aimed at, but they schlepped off the responsibility to um, individuals instead of taking responsibility. Like it's like it's misdirection, and there's a lack of critical thinking. Yeah, that that's that that that's exactly it. Like, why why would you bother? You'd be like, I'm the good boss who gives you the the job. Um, yeah, blame the company that they're outsourcing to because we can pay pennies on the dollar. Uh, or not even blame the company. Like, blame the people that we can pay pe- pennies on the dollar. And I think part of it comes down to just that feeling of control, like. Hmm. I've definitely had these thoughts in the past where I go through phases where I read like a lot of warfare or uh, revolution books. And I'm like, could we as a society ever do that nowadays? Like I have no idea how to go apart starting a revolution Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, what does it look like if you're seizing the means of production, but I still live in a condo and have a mortgage, man. Um, Yeah. So in a lot of ways, like I feel quite, we have so many systems and things in place that I'm just like, I have no idea how to change it. Yeah. And I think that, like for me, I just 
have the nihilistic millennial thirst for death, whereas other people <laughs> might turn that into xenophobia. Uh, it really uh, just depends on how you approach feeling unbuffeted. And again, with these last year and a half, so many people have been left unmoored. Even people who've been very, very fortunate to be employed to like not have really had had much of their life change other than being inside. Yeah. Those people are also unbuffeted. And then think about everybody else who's had the cascading effects. Like this is going to be a mental health crisis of maybe, I don't want to say like unheard of proportions before because, you know, there's been yeah. World War One, there's been Mar Rouge, like, there's been bad shit. Right. But mental health wise, yes. Like we are it's a mental health crisis and we're lucky enough that we can now talk about it and have Oof. words and kind of frameworks around it. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, I'm resigned at this point in some ways Like there's so, some things that make me angry, but then I feel kind of like Don Quixote just tilting at windmills until I tire myself out. And I huh. still didn't change anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a TikTok this morning. And again, Donna, you need to be on TikTok because you would, th there's, there's algorithms that will um, tailor your content to shit that you'd like to see. And I am currently on socialist revolution TikTok, apparently. Um, and so, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, it's there was a woman talking about how um, the labor force to actually make change and you know walk out from their jobs it would have to be like a mass mass labor walkout and it would have to be cross country this is the U.S. that they're talking um, it would have cross country organized and for a very long time because the only way to make change here is to make the rich be worried about getting fed. Like you basically, it's not eat the rich, it's starve the rich so that they're a little bit fucking freaked out about where their, where their food is coming from. And then they are forced to make some sort of change, but it would likely not even be the change that the labor force is looking for, but it would be slight improvements. Um, but that's the only way to really force that on a mass scale. And how are we actually going to mobilize? It takes the most insane amount of organization to allow for this to happen in the first place. And people got bills. Like it's it's a huge fucking ask to 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 ask people who are indentured in this system to to walk from their jobs and push for change in this way like it's pretty fucking complicated mm -hmm. yeah and i'm trying to think of what i think they're called secondary so there's like primary secondary and tertiary jobs remember when we were learning this next like social studies and great oh summer. god yeah oh shit you've unlocked a memory <laughs> i don't remember a so, lot about it but yes yeah it's like primary jobs are like your resource extraction jobs those are the jobs that are directly linked to the production of some type of raw material. 
those pay exorbitantly well. You don't necessarily need a technical background for a lot of them. Like for directional drillers and things like that, you need to have a specific education. But a lot of rig hands did go to high school. And that's part of why Alberta had its reputation for so long. So you had these guys graduate from high school and start earning 200 grand a year. And did you know that 18-year-olds are really irresponsible when they're earning six figures a year? <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and then they're secondary, which I think are kind of like what we, they're also sometimes called creative class. And that's like engineers, um, right? Like what I do, kind of like office work where we don't necessarily go out and do the extraction, but we are the, like the due diligence team behind it. And then there was tertiary, which is like your service jobs. But the thing is, like, your service jobs are the ones that also pay the worst Mm -hmm. and have the least security. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, everybody, like, sure, everybody who works at Walmart can walk out. Walmart is not going to give you one look. They're going to just put a sign up and say, like, hiring next wave. Yeah. The system (laughs) has a lot of power. And a lot of ability to uh, really kibosh any sort of movement against it. Like it's, it's, uh, it's wild and scary. Yeah. As my earring falls off. <laughs> so yeah, it's when I don't think I have an ability. I might have an ability at some point. I don't have the understanding right now to know what is truly going on. Like I see what mm. is going on. Yeah, and and we're not even talking. We had started to touch on things like the backlash to Black Lives Matter, and the the again like the intersectionality, and we're kind of just talking about us and um, yeah. the other white people. Yeah, we're the we are the the experience we are highlighting here is absolutely the white middle class millennial experience, and it is a place of privilege within the system as much as we are you know unhappy and miserable as well right <laughs> it's but not wrong right like yeah I think like I don't know I just wonder if we if everybody was always miserable and we just we're the first ones to be like we're going to talk about it I wonder I really do I think I think that there was enough disconnection from what someone actually felt and like not there. I talked about this on my (laughs) professional Instagram recently. Um, I think that there was like enough. You can't feel your actual feelings that people don't even actually have a word for the fact that they're miserable because they've deluded themselves so fucking hard that they're just like, no, I'm fine. Like, for example, for me, I didn't realize what I was experiencing was depression until I was in my thirties. Like I didn't actually have words for it because I so was disconnected from feeling my feelings and because I wasn't allowed to. And I know, and I've talked about this being a generational thing as well, that like, we're just, we get taught in households like that to just not, be connected to our feelings because the only feelings that are allowed are to be okay or to be happy. The moment that you are reacting to your treatment, your poor treatment by your adult 
caretaker, you're told you're not allowed to feel that. And you're threatened out of feeling that, right? You're you're like, oh, you're going to cry? Well, I'll give you something to cry about. So you're not allowed to display the upset, nor are you, nor is it safe to feel it. So you just completely disconnect from these feelings and they're stored in your body and they're affecting you in different ways, but you're not fucking aware of what's actually happening. So like you're miserable, you don't realize it. And yeah, I think that for generations we've been, because this is my parents treated me the way that they were treated is the thing. Right. And so it's, it's cyclical and it's generational. And we just don't, realize that we're actually miserable because my mother who sometimes the narcissist is self-aware and it freaks me the fuck out but um she has said about how she's her generation is afraid to go to see a psychologist or to see a therapist or to talk about their feelings at all and even my grandmother who i think they took her she was at a a um medical appointment of some sort my mother was there and the nurse that she was dealing with was a millennial and he said to her oh my generation isn't afraid of talking about this thing now and my grandmother and my mother were so fucking taken aback by it and weirded out and I was like and I said to my mother yes go see a fucking therapist but that's neither here nor there (laughs) but yeah, they just, it's so taboo to talk about your goddamn feelings for some reason. Yeah. And it's so weird to me um, because it isn't healthy. I see how deeply unhealthy it is. And it's you, not only are you deluding people around you about your mental state because you're masking and you're hiding how you're actually feeling, but you're also deluding yourself to some degree. So yes, I think very, 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 very strongly we're just the first generation who's been willing to openly talk about it and it could it has something to do maybe with that hesitance to become an adult and like there's there's something that happened and I don't know what it is but there's something that happened where this generation wasn't happy with the status quo and I think it's a cocktail of different things that made that the case and for whatever reason we're a lot more ready to air our grievances but even then there's there's still a lot of resistance to it like we it's being becoming normalized but it's not normalized there was always like gen x definitely had the therapist like gen x jokes with therapists were a mainstay growing up yeah but i i and and we can always talk about important moments to our generation, but we we were 16 when 9-11 happened. Like our yeah. entire, like just the way you view the world, especially the way you view being a North American teenager where you like John Hughes movies and picnics and whatever dumb shit they do in movies. It never happened to us. No. Um, but like you have this this image and then like I remember 9-11 happening and then I think that year also was when the army was really aggressively trying to recruit us at the career fair and I'm like dude like you're going to war in Afghanistan. I don't remember that happening at the career fair but like I don't doubt it. <laughs> I mean I wasn't looking at any careers because I was like I'm gonna be 
a theater actress. <laughs> but but I I would say that there's some sort of generational linkage to 9-11 and how that changed how all of us envisioned our adulthood. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And and like I was lucky. I got out of school with relatively little debt. Um mm-hmm. I don't really know if I had much debt, maybe like a couple of books left on my credit card at the end, but nice. that's so unheard of, especially in the United States as well, where people mm-hmm. are taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars for school. Like I'm there are I know people who went to school in the States who pay the equivalent of my mortgage every month in in student loans. And I'm like, how do you do oh. that? Like Christ. My dinosaur cat is also in my closet being weird. I'm trying to figure out what he's doing. <laughs> oh, there. Nope. Um, he saw that I saw him, so he hopped out and left. It's, I don't know what it is. They're just like, don't look at me when I'm doing weird shit. Um, okay, as, as an aside to lighten this, because I think we've kind of like hit a wall here. Not that, yeah, I, I think this is a thing that cannot be solved, and it's fucking frustrating etc but i think yes 9-11 shifted things in this generation in a pretty profound way um but speaking of defining moments of our generation one time (laughs) donna and i were donna and i have been having this conversation our entire friendship to some degree is what this no we became friends one year before 9-11 it's true it's true and therefore we have been our entire friendship (laughs) this has been part of the discourse i guess um so we're like i want to say like 20 21 we're at my grandparents house for some fucking party over there uh and my brother is with us and donna and i are having a conversation about defining moments of our generation my brother is five years younger than me uh so (laughs) He's, he's still in high school when this conversation is happening. And so we ask him, what do you think? And we're talking about 9-11. And uh, we might have brought up some other points. And Robert goes, <laughs> just throwing him under the bus. He says, when Tiger Woods got caught cheating on his wife, was a defining moment for his generation. <laughs> My brother is an avid golfer. Fucking loved the shit out of Tiger Woods. Um, but holy shit, was that the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard? <laughs> uh, your brother is just ridiculous in general. And I'm glad you already yeah. mentioned that his name was Robert. Because my favorite thing about Robert is uh, he only names things he owns Robert. So like, he got a goldfish, he named it Robert. I think I'm really happy his wife named the cats. Like she got the cats before he moved in. So she was able to name them and he didn't name <laughs> one Robert. All of his stuffed animals were named Robert. Just like that was the solution to everything was name it Robert. And then Donna and I started a Twitter account in the early days of Twitter to troll him because we're assholes. It was called what would Rob do? Because there wasn't enough characters. <laughs> what would Robert do? But it was like we'd come up with these stupid scenarios and it would be like, name it Robert was always the solution. We didn't keep Robert it up lands on the long. new world. He names it Robert. 
Yeah. I can't remember what else was in there, but it was just stupid shit. And the always it was named it Robert. Um, I'm sorry, Robert, except I'm also not. <laughs> You're yeah, not sorry, listening. not sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so defining moment of generation. Tiger Woods caught cheating on his wife. I will never let him live that down. Neither will you. Nope, that one's great. <laughs> mm. He's some uh, Tiger Woods did something again this year. Probably. Did he get in a car accident? I don't know. I mean, Tiger Woods has been a hot mess for a long time. I find I I get most of my celebrity news now um, just by going to CNN to see what terrible thing has happened today. And so the top usually like the terrible thing that has happened today. And then they have like a little sidebar with what you need to know about COVID today. And then when Mm -hmm. you scroll further down, they just seem to have a lot of really dumb, like it's just in this thing that will be like top 10 beaches to hit after COVID and then like celebrity news. And then at the end, it will have a very serious article. And I'm like, who curates this? Yeah, that's a little bit of a wild ride. Yeah. Huh. Oh, so again, we are. I, I might be bringing it back. I don't want to talk about it. I was going to talk about the Miami building collapse, but I don't want to talk about it. Okay, that's fair. I haven't even heard about it. I'll look it up later. Are you kidding? No. The condo building in Miami that collapsed? I did not know. Uh, there's like 160 people missing. It's Holy been- shit. Okay, yeah, no, I'll I'll look at the news. I, you know, I've just been trying to survive the heat, and I've just not looked at anything aside from Instagram. And I guess it wasn't on my Instagram. No, so it happened um, last Thursday. So in June, Jesus Christ, not, how did I miss this? I I have no idea. Well, as a person who lives in a condo building, who has a bunch of friends who live in similarly aged condo buildings, we were all like, what "The fuck." So this was a 40-year-old building. I guess we're going to talk about it. I guess um, so. <laughs> so this was a 40-year-old building built on Miami. Um, it's in Miami Beach, which is one of the barrier islands, and it's oceanfront. And mm-hmm. they still don't quite know what happened, but about, like, middle of the night, it just collapsed. So, like, the the whole building pancake collapsed. And, Jesus. Uh, and, and so they're like, we don't know. They're they're evacuating some other condos in Miami Beach, but like this building was built forty years ago. It was doing its forty year recertification, and you know, as a person who lives in a forty year old building and lives on the second floor, I uh, I'd like to yeah. know my building's actually sound. However, I live in the freeze thaw cycle of Calgary. This is yeah. a condo building built on sand that has been observed sinking previously that has gone through like what five or six category three plus hurricanes in its lifetime. Yeah. So a little bit different wear and tear. Than yeah. Yours. But oh, fuck. I mean, it's one of those things that you're just, when you live in communal architecture, because mm-hmm. one of my things is I, we are not a no smoking building, but I really wish that everybody who, would smoke would do so outside especially because like if there's a fire it's a concrete building that you might like 
it's still going to affect everybody. Yeah. Um, so communal building accidents is definitely very high on my list of anxieties. I get that. I get that. And in our townhouse, fucko next door to us is smoking cigars indoors and it comes it filters through uh, we had to buy an air filter um one time the cats were fucking sneezing so hard from it like it and he'll just because it's a cigar it goes from it, there can be a four-hour period in the middle of the night where he's not sleeping he might be on coke too but that's an entirely different discussion um from two in the morning till like six he's smoking a cigar and it comes through our bedroom walls. Uh, and so, yeah, I definitely also experienced that sort of anxiety around smoking um, in the house because, and we all individually own our townhouses and they, he is, I can't get into it. There's legal issues, <laughs> but uh, he, let's just say you can't kindly ask him to not do things um you can't even say hello to him because he doesn't want to make eye contact with you it's fun uh but one time because now i i'm, I'm apparently taking it in this direction are you are you cool with me changing the subject on okay one time the most fun time where he was a belligerent asshole was and he's not that bad all the time sometimes he's off in the most northern parts of europe and I say that sarcastically, but also not. Um, anyway, sometimes he's not here. He's been around far too often uh, because of COVID. But one time, the most fun time was we woke up to Despacito on loop. And like, but like covers of Despacito. It was like he was obsessed with Despacito, but just like, had to had to listen to every single cover he could find and but the weirdest part was he'd listen till the beat drops and then about 30 more seconds and then he changed to the next cover and this went on for an hour and so like it be paul and i are <laughs> awake in the middle of the night it's about two in the morning and we're like oh shit is it gonna be despacito again we can't tell we kind of wait and then the beat drops and we're like, oh, it's Despacito. And then there was the pan flute version. <laughs> like, I shit you not. He spent an hour just listening. It was the most ridiculous thing <laughs> I've ever experienced from him. Like there was another time where I woke up to him blasting the temple scene from Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was like, you know, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> then he turned to like some, <laughs> some then like but he would all he only ever listens to like the first minute to 30 seconds of this music so like there was jesus christ superstar and then there was some hard rock song and then there was an i think he played nessun dorma once and i was like you know he doesn't listen to a lot of opera or a lot of musical theater but every once in a while i'm like i recognize that if you weren't an asshole, maybe we could be friends. Um, and then he listens to like hard rock. One time he was obsessed with um, some Imagine Dragon song that was like his hype up song in the morning that he'd blast for a while. But there was not nothing compares to Despacito Night. And can you imagine? <laughs> Paul and I started joking about this. What if you have a 
um, love interest over. You're like, listen, listen, let me let me just play for you. I think he was on his own that night, but still, <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of um, paramours come over. But you know, what if you were high on your coke? <laughs> He just really wanted to share Despacito with this person who was staying the night at your house. Like, how fast would they leave you? I think it depends on what you pitched on Tum- on it's not Tumblr, it's the other one. It's the hiccup. The hookup. Oh, Tinder. 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 I think he's on Grinder, but still. <laughs> uh, you just reminded me of Imagine Dragons. So this morning we were chatting about Daryl saw a Twitter thread about like what is the your the song you hate the most? And then mine is Come Sail Away by Stick. I hate that song <laughs> so much. Uh, <laughs> Every time the only thing I think about that song again, apparently I'm referencing South Park twice this episode. <laughs> but like there's South Park. Cartman has to sing the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and that's that's that song is endearing to me only because of that moment where Cartman just has to like power through the whole song. I'm why is this the song that you hate, Donna? <laughs> Can I just say because I feel it in my soul? Because I mean, so Daryl read to me a couple other songs from the, the Twitter thread, and one of them was Hey Soul Sister by Train, which I you also, also hate concur that. with. Yeah, I hate, hate all that train song. songs. Fair. I hate train. Um, yep. But do I hate it as much as I hate Come Sail Away? But Wait, the other no. thing... Oh, no, I got the song wrong. Come Sail Away. I'm thinking of I'm Sailing Away. But you're. this is like Come Sail Away. Come Sail Away. Come Sail Away. Yeah. Okay, all right. So not a South Park reference. All right, okay. This song, yeah, okay, okay. I get it. It's great. Um, the other one they mentioned was Thunder by Imagine Dragons. And I'm like, man, every time I hear a song that I'm like, is this from a car commercial? It's always Imagine Dragons. But like, they always are songs that sound like you hear them in a car commercial for like a dealership, like a used car dealership owned by a Christian family that's like come by like a car from Jesus or whatever. It's like Christian rock. Yeah. Like edgy to Christian rock. <laughs> yeah. Like we yeah. are cool hip Christians like Casey from the Mindy Project. I haven't seen all of the Mindy Project. I don't remember this character. He's a pastor who winds up designing sneakers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this description of Imagine Dragons. I think that it is apt. <laughs> I also, I don't even know if you were in the old place or the new place, but there's a concert venue not far from my condo <laughs> that you also hear from Jacqueline's condo. And we and did. I'm up the hill. I'm a far fucking ways away from this concert venue. Like, I shouldn't be able to hear it. So imagine my misery the day that Train played there and they played Drops of Jupiter both in the concert and then they performed it again during the encore. I remember that night we were in the bed and we could hear it. And I do remember them playing that twice. And like, here's the other thing about all the train songs. They all sound the same. 
uh, Drops of Jupiter is objectively even worse than Hey Soul Sister because every other line is <laughs> which yeah fair but like hey soul sister is also like the same it's the same it's the same yeah. as that but without the annoying like <laughs> um fuck yeah i hated that night too and then the next night the google Goo dolls were there though and that was kind of entertaining yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Goo, Goo dolls at least didn't play any songs twice that I recall. I don't think they did. Paul was surprised by how many songs he didn't know. And I was like, yeah, there's only like the one. <laughs> there's there's more than just the one, but like, come on. It's just the one. He only knew the one, Iris. There's like, like three Goo Goo Doll singles. There's Name from the album that came out before Dizzy Up the Girl. Yep. And there's Iris. And that slide came out after that. But there yes. are two other singles from Dizzy Up the Girl. There is Broadway, which I really liked, which is why I recall this. And then <laughs> there was another song that was used in a movie where Lily Sobieski is in love with Chris Klein and then she dies from knee cancer. See, and you tell me this all the time because we've talked about Google Dolls and we've <laughs> talked about this probably on our other podcasts where we did music. Um, and this is the only reason I know some of their back catalog singles because <laughs> of your knowledge of the Google Dolls. What is that song from the Lily Sobieski movie, though? I don't even know. It's if I Google it clearly wasn't that popular. Like, and if I Google Lily Sobieski Goo Goo Dolls, how luck, how how likely am I to? Probably not, but I'm gonna do it. Well, you're gonna have to because I have no idea what this knee cancer movie was called, and it's so specific. It's not a walk to remember because that's another movie, but that's Mandy Moore who has cancer. Okay, the movie is apparently here on Earth. Okay. I've never seen this. Um, it, I'm not. Okay. So for some reason, Lily Sobieski, Goo Goo Dolls gives me the movie, but it doesn't tell me what the fuck the song is. So thanks a lot, <laughs> Black, assholes. It's called um, Black Balloon. It's called Black Balloon. Oh, I don't remember how that song goes at all. At all. Coming down the world turned over. Angels fall without you there. I think that is enough of a short sound clip that we don't have to pay for it. Well, and it was also you singing it. I think we're fine. Yeah. Also, <laughs> eight people listen to us. Yeah. No, we're fine. <laughs> I'm sure we're fine. We're also not going to get smacked for the. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay. The Wikipedia entry says Black Balloon. I don't remember the song. Clearly it's it okay. wasn't one of their good ones. <laughs> they might have played uh, it that night. I don't know. Honestly, it's just, it was back when you were a kid, you bought an album like I bought Dizzy After Girls, so I listened to Dizzy After Girl a lot. Yeah. Uh, That's what you did when albums yeah, we didn't have were streaming like, services back then. And like, even when we loaded shit onto our iPods, we'd put 
press than this was later in the game, but we were still buying physical albums at this point because we were holdouts. We loved our physical albums. I still have, you got rid of yours, but I still have about a thousand CDs in my basement. <laughs> but we'd shuffle them and we're still hearing the other songs on the album. Like everything yeah. got shuffled. We'd list like in your car, we listened to our fair share of Goo Goo Dolls. It was nothing like the killers or other things too. But the Google dolls, the Google dolls got rotation when they were on yeah. your iPod in the car. Um, we used to make mixed tapes for the fucking car when your car when the car you were driving still had a cassette player. Yeah. I but we listened to the shit out of those. I think we had like four or five. I made you two, and then you had like a few more, and that yeah. was that and was you, the only ones who we listened. Yeah, you drew me covers, like, and then people know. So the kids today are making cassette tapes again. And I'm like, but why? What are they? That's wild. Yes, this is shit that I've seen on TikTok. My my TikTok algorithm apparently is not the TikTok algorithm you're getting. No, you gotta curate that shit. <laughs> um, my cat just showed up on my lap and he smells and so I'm like is you, do you have a poopy bum do I need to be worried about where you're sending it he's mad at me for checking um, <clears throat> cassette isn't that making love though love poopy bum uh, I've definitely just lap. I've picked up Beck who you know mm. sometimes he gets dingleberries and if he has a scent around him, I've picked him up and just put his butt in my partner's face and been like, can you check for butt? Like, can you <laughs> check for poop? And he's done the same to me. That's fair. Like, at least I know I. it's not the grossness that keeps me from having children. It's that I actually just don't want them. I. That's fair. Yeah, cats are gross enough that, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to worry about that. It isn't the grossness because we deal with enough of that on a regular basis um cassette tapes though what for funsies yeah. where are they getting these cassette players from like how are they what i like, I, I don't know it's like vintage cool again remember oh, like oh, when we were weird. in high school and i bought that kodak camera and had like a brief a brief four-week period of taking polaroids before i realized how expensive polaroid film is it's yes like i do remember that okay huh <laughs> wild because like those those little cassette tapes that i made you i bought shitty ass boom box right when boom boxes were super on sale because it was the technology was leaving us um but it had a cassette player and it had a cd player so i would make the mix cds that i needed to transfer onto a cassette tape and i'd sit in my office at the oil company and I just transfer it while I was working for your car. <laughs> uh, so I think because my parents are strange people <laughs> and they like to record. There's, there's some midday CBC radio show they like to record on tape and listen to before they go to bed. And uh, so they buy and you can still get them. They're like those tape recorders that you would use if you were interrogating a person. So 
this sounds crazy. Um, yeah, like it's, you just pop a tape in, then you can hit play record, and it can either record ambient audio, or if you use an in, you can record from a radio, like, which is what they do. So these things exist, like they are still in use. They still do that, hey? Yeah. That's, huh. I, I mean, like, bless your parents, I love them. <laughs> but like wow that's that's a lot of work for a thing they're retired they literally just have to walk into the bedroom and hit play record and then 45 minutes later they flip the tape i guess so i guess so <laughs> i i am impressed that they can still get cassettes though readily i guess people are still getting interrogated I don't know. <laughs> on on cassettes though <laughs> and not what? digitally recording yeah who knows like sometimes sometimes you see seismic that's still on real to real tapes and you're like why uh, how <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> well and like record players got a renaissance but i've heard arguments about how like records apparently the sound quality is better is that real like i've heard like people who are super elitist about it talk about how like you want to get your music on a record player and record as the format because it's superior sound wise, which I don't, I can't fathom that because all I think about is the shitty ass record player that my mother had that we'd listen to Jesus Christ Superstar on. And I beg her to play that on the records instead of her hard rock music. She had this, this copy of the Ted Neely Jesus Christ Superstar, where her brother had written on the side "Groovy Music Man," because it was the seventies, um, and it wasn't good though. Like, and that bitch would skip. Like, I just i I thought that records sucked as far as like quality. I think that part of it is you get the experience of the record, like as it works and changes your experience. I don't know. I, like my, my dad finally got rid of his record player a couple of years ago. And I, I gave it to a young friend from my office because he was like, I want a record player. And I was like, if you can touch it, it's yours. Like if you can carve it <laughs> in the basement, it's yours. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, and yeah. Cause like lots of bands are still like exclusively pressing vinyl. For like an exclusive run of vinyl of new albums yeah. what the hell i think it's a collector thing and more of an experience i'm i'm not an, enough of an audiophile to really hear the difference yeah and i, I can i think part of it comes down to the compression i think compression is done differently yes. for a record than it's done for a digital recording okay yes that makes sense that's probably the thing but like again do you notice it? Is it noticeable? No, I think it's more like it's an ambience thing. Like if we go, there's a bar in Inglewood called Rain Dogs that uh, opened like a month before COVID, but they're still there. Okay. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's named after a Tom Waits song. If they aren't mm. playing vinyl there, I'm a little disappointed. But yeah, I, I'm not going to go to like a red lobster and be like i hope you're spinning discs <laughs> yeah i mean because they're not <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck 
Okay, it's 12.55. I think we need to call it because I'm starting to feel lightheaded and need to eat something so the vaccine doesn't get me. You should do that, and I'm going to also go pee. So All thanks right. for everybody listening to us talk about our precious bodily fluids. And- I feel like it's sort of, I love that we can go from talking about fire poops to like having a very serious discussion about mental health and the state of capitalism. Like, look at us. This is what being a millennial is. It encapsulates the entire spectrum of the human experience from your poop to <laughs> your psych From your personal poop state. to societal poop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amazing. All right. You should j- visit donnajacklinpodcast.com for the show notes. I will probably link some of the TikTok videos that I've mentioned and maybe even Despacito. <laughs> so you don't want to miss that shit. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you um, next week, friends. Bye-bye. Bye.